Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the Absolutely ADHD podcast. Hi, everyone. Hi, Alana. I'm so excited. I know. I mean, it's so funny because we've never, as you guys know, been super strict with like every season has X amount of episodes and we just kind of felt like at the end of last season, which was technically season three, Mm -hmm. that, you know, it was a good time to take a break and a breath and to regroup. And so we're back. We're back. And I'm really excited because I think we needed this time. And we have a lot to fill you guys in on and we'll just catch up. And I have a really interesting, Sam had a really good idea for what we're going to talk about today too. So if you're new here, I'll start by just introducing myself. I'm Alana. I'm a social worker and an ADHD coach, and I teach people how to support their ADHD through this podcast, through my courses, and through one-on-one coaching. And Sam is my amazing best friend who does this podcast with us and is just the best ever. So it's so funny because I was like, I guess I should introduce myself too, because I never really do that. I'm always just an added bonus. And I was thinking when you were saying all that stuff, like, what am I going to say? And literally, I was going to say, hi, I'm Sam, and I'm Alana's best friend. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing about it. Sam and I have always had this friendship where we can talk about our mental health, obviously ADHD. Sam visited this last week and it was just a great reminder of why we started this podcast because I feel like we always have these conversations that are so just like thought provoking and really comforting and always knowing that we're not the only ones dealing with what we're dealing with. Yeah. So I'm like so happy that you do this with us. Well, yes. So this leads us into the first exciting piece of news. I visited Alana, guys. I saw her new her new place. She is like the queen of New York City. Oh my gosh. That's saying a lot. There's a lot of famous people that live in New York City. It's so funny. I'm not the queen of New York City. You're right. I feel like we help each other on so many intangible levels. You know, like stuff that your best friends do. Like make you breathe easier and help you understand yourself and give you perspective. Like all of those things are really important, but like sometimes when you're living so far away from your people, you forget how much like physical help having a best friend Mm -hmm. is. And so we like, and you never really fully moved in to your apartment. I feel like you moved to New York and then things in our lives just got busy you know? And so it was an incremental unpacking. Nothing had a place. It was a lot of just doom piles and doom corners and and things that I had gathered that I was like, okay, I'm going to go through this. But then like Sam said, things get busy and I just didn't. And then all of a sudden I'm in this place where it was too overwhelming to do. Yeah. And it was just too much. Sam's such a good friend and she got here and like was just like, so we're going to do this together. Yeah. And I can't tell you. Her actual room itself is fine. Like, guys, Alana's problem is that you can always see the floor, okay? And her chairs aren't doom chairs. There's not stuff everywhere in her room. But then you open the closet, and that's where all of the stuff goes. And that's where your stuff is supposed to go. Yeah, so I remember walking into your room... And everything was beautiful. And you were like giving me all of these prefaces like, okay, well, it's really not that organized and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what are you talking about? And then we open your closet. 
And it's just like a lot of stuff. But here's the thing. And I know for a fact that some of you guys will resonate with this. So it's very interesting because obviously we, you know, ADHD is so different everyone. Some of us are really overwhelmed by organizing and everything. And then some of us might, maybe we organize out of anxiety, right? That's or what maybe, I and, and it's one of those things that I'm like, well, I'm definitely not going to get help from someone. I'm just going to do it myself. But then do I actually do it myself? No. So to have someone, you know, like Sam, where I felt so comfortable and we really could just go through it. And when I say she coached me through it, like I would like, I'd sit down and she'd be like, all right, let's just do this next part a little bit. And I just needed that. I really needed that. So this is your reminder. Even if it goes against what we are used to, sometimes it's okay to ask for help. And if not, and you have great friends like you, you're going to insist on helping anyway. I forced her to do this, everyone. And I actually felt kind of bad because we were... you know, and we did it in between doing really fun stuff. So we would come home and she would be so tired and we were working full time and we would come home like from the day and get ready for dinner. And I'd be like, let's just get this little bit done. And she would look at me and be like, but I'm tired. And I would be like, I don't care if you're tired, (laughs) but I want you guys to know that like my, I am highly organized, but it is literally a learned behavior. I've been operating like this since I was born because my mother is highly organized and my brother and I talk about it all the time about like, it's kind of, it was really frustrating growing up and it's actually really frustrating now because it's almost like an impulse for me Mm -hmm. to, you know, or like I can't sleep sometimes if I know stuff is out of place. And so like, there's definitely a balance there, but it, and it's kind of interesting because we will talk about this today about the concept of things that feel so concrete, but actually can be changed. And you have to work against the flow of what you feel like is natural in order to change them. So it's a natural habit for us to be getting ready. And I'm just going to speak for you for a second. And Alana's trying on pants and she's throwing them on the floor as they're not working, you know, And if you can just convince yourself, I'm going to just put the pants away as I'm taking them off. I'm just going to hang them back up. You know, it makes it so much easier. And I was telling her, like, in my experience, organizing from a place of total chaos, if chaos is the foundation, that is so hard. But once you get it to a place of organization, whatever that looks like for you, it is so much easier to keep it that way, you know? Absolutely. And I've always known that. And I think that's part of the reason it gets so frustrating is because I'm like, I know I would feel much better in my space if it was organized, but then the problem was so daunting. And all that to say, thank you. I had a really fun time. So much fun. It was so, it was so nice, Sam, just being here. I feel like this might be such an ADHD thing. We went out one night and getting from Alana's neighborhood to the neighborhood we had dinner plans in just took a long time. Like we had to walk to the subway and then we had to take the subway and then there was a change in subway. And, you know, the New York City subway system is not user-friendly, you know? So it's like kind of hard to understand. <laughs> it's actually it's actually a really good subway It is system. wonderful. But I think the way the platforms are, if you don't know that, you know, local trains run in the center track and ex- or local trains run in the outside track and express trains run in the center track, it just takes a minute. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And so we were overwhelmed from the travel. And then we get to the restaurant and they sat us at just, it wasn't a bad table. It was just a weird table. And we, it, it was very low. It was low. And it was like in the middle of like 
where everyone was walking past and it just it just and it threw it took us so long to like feel normal after all of that I was like are you enjoying yourself and you're like yeah and then two minutes you're like are you okay and I'm like yeah it's just like us going back and forth but I was annoyed because I chose this place because of the view and then we didn't have a view, which again, it's not a big deal, but the whole thing just ended up not being what I exactly the one thing I expected it to be. And that bothers me. And how many times do we say don't have expectations, but God, we're human. And of course I'm going to have expectations, even if I don't want to. And it took so, it took our main courses coming out for us to stop freaking out. (laughs) And a couple drinks. Yeah. I also want to talk about one of my favorite parts of this trip was meeting your boyfriend. The tea. There's the big tea, guys. Alana found a handsome, kind, tall man. <laughs> he's not allowed to listen to this yes, podcast. Yes, he's not. So Too personal. Fine. I feel like, and I've had this conversation with guys I've seen in the past while we've been doing this, where if they listen to the podcast, they're not getting to know me in the natural timeline that they would. It's like a crash course on everything that I am. And like our most, you know, insecurities or things we struggle with. That is exactly what it is. So when I started dating, I told them right off the bat when when I mentioned the podcast, like, but please, like, I really actually, I don't want you to listen to it because it is weird. It's like, Things that would take a lot of dates or like months for someone to find out. I don't want them to get to find that out before date number three. That's not organic. They should find that out from me when I'm right. So I don't have to worry about anyone listening. But but yeah, it's been good. I feel like both you and I are so deeply proud of this community that we've built through this. And I would recommend any of my friends to listen, if only... Because I feel like what the biggest thing we both get out of this is knowing that we're not alone in any of these. But the minute there's an inkling of a romantic connection, the thought of giving them access to all of this information that I so freely and willingly share with our wonderful listeners, you know, and when I'm talking out loud in this context, I never think twice about the stuff I'm saying and who's going to hear it because I'm like, either it will resonate with someone and they'll be like, oh, finally, or it won't, and they'll move on, you know? But the minute that I'm like, oh, here's a hot guy that I'm interested in, I'm like, I don't want you to listen. <laughs> As you guys know, I've spoken ad, like at length about how difficult my move to Austin was and, you know, how difficult mm-hmm. it is to make friends as an adult and all of this stuff. And it takes so long to feel like you have a home where you've decided to move. And I feel like you're on your way to like building a home where you've decided to move. And I think that's so cool. I know. Thank you for saying that. Like, it is really nice. And I'm happy that I just feel like it's been a big adjustment, but doing it was probably the best thing I've ever done. Like, I definitely know how scary moving can be. Maybe we'll do an episode on, actually, we should definitely do an episode just on moving in general and starting over because it's scary, but I'm really glad I did. Um, But actually, this goes right into our topic. Sam had a really good topic that we are going to talk about today. Yes, I was in the airport yesterday, scrolling through TikTok, of course, because what else do you do in the airport? And I have seen this before, and I just think it's a really interesting concept that would really benefit all of us. And it's the idea of like a neutral headspace. Basically, what we're saying is it is 
damaging to be either too positive or too negative. And understanding mm-hmm. and processing the things that are happening around us without attaching judgment in the form of, oh, this is bad, I need to fix it, or this is really good, I need to keep doing what I'm doing so that it stays good, and just letting things happen, and then feeling your emotions and not acting on that, that's kind of the gold standard Mm -hmm. of what we're trying to achieve when we're talking about mind neutrality and neutral thinking. Basically, the brain is looking for danger. It is designed not to be happy. The brain is designed to keep us safe. And so it's constantly scanning the environment around us and processing things to keep us the most safe. But the thing is, is we don't live in a society anymore where we're constantly scanning for animals or don't eat that berry because it's poisonous. Like the danger that Mm -hmm. we encounter every day isn't on such a biological level. So the way to be the most successful, happy human being sadly isn't the way that our brain is designed. Yeah. So as opposed to viewing an emotion as like, okay, this is a negative emotion and I need to do something in response to it. We're allowed to say, I'm feeling a negative emotion that is happening. That is existing right now. How am I going to move forward? It's kind of like saying we can acknowledge these emotions, these feelings, they're valid, but it's not something that we necessarily need to like do something or act on to fix. They can just be, we're allowed to have. And the thing is when we have brains the way that we do, we have super busy brains and a lot of us ruminate and a lot of us, you know, are get stuck in these thought loops and everything. And so it makes sense when you have such busy brains too, our brains are looking for danger even more than like what you would say totally. your average person, you know? You're so right. So basically the brain processes sensory information and when you have such busy brains like we do, it kind of feels like the sensory information that we are processing is coming at warp speed, like to a point where I can't keep up with it. You form associations to keep yourself safe. You know, through that, we generate thoughts and feelings. So your brain is processing stuff. It is forming associations between the stuff and the feelings in the way that keeps you the most safe. If we can get to a place where we are accepting our emotions, positive or negative, you know, what, whatever it is, if we're just accepting them without judgment or bias or reactivity, and instead looking at these situations like, okay, what does this situation require of me? Not what can I do? Not what's logical? Not, oh, what do my friends want me to do? Just like for a second to take a beat and add that step of like, okay, let's look at this from a neutral place. What does the situation require of me? And then you go from there, you know? Right. The example I'm thinking of is, you know, when you get an email from someone like at work, we were talking about this last week and you kind of internalize it. You're like, oh, this, this email sounds like really, this, this person's angry with me. Maybe, right. Like I definitely know I can tell by their tone, this person's upset with me. And then we kind of, we act on that, right. Whether we're, you know, reaching out or asking, you know, did I do so? whatever it is in this situation, the way that we would practice a neutral affirmation is saying, I'm feeling insecure about this message. There is a possibility that it could be that that person is mad at me. There's also a possibility that the person just typed a message or that the person is just having a long day. Like it's our job to kind of do what we can to not judge those thoughts too much and to kind of provide alternatives of like, well, maybe it could also be this. 
And I know that I've talked about this in previous seasons, but I read this and I've always struggled to explain it in a, in a, in a pretty way. Cause, but I saw this little thing. It was like, emotions are data, not directives. Like emotions are markers of your environment, but you wouldn't Mm -hmm. confirm a hypothesis from one test. You would do multiple tests over multiple different days, you know, whatever. So if you take that to a human level, just because I feel anxious about the email my boss has sent me doesn't mean that I need to feel anxious about it. We're never going to be perfect. And we're never going to be able to view everything from a completely neutral standpoint, because that's not how life works. But I think what Alana and I are trying to do is to recognize that we're not viewing it from a neutral standpoint and try and do things to maybe get us to a more neutral standpoint. Right. And when we have a nervous system that is extremely, you know, hypersensitive, that's always looking out for danger, that's always doing whatever it can to identify, well, maybe there's some danger here. Maybe there's some danger here. We have to do what we can to support that and to recognize that those thoughts aren't always going to be true. I'm thinking of, you know, the body positivity movement and how a lot of people were talking about like, oh, you need to love your body and appreciate all the things your body can do. And how a lot of people felt like, oh, that's actually kind of toxic. Like that's not realistic, right? We're never, that's not going to be the case all the time. And so then people started talking about body neutrality. And what body neutrality is saying saying is that I recognize that I feel these positive emotions or these negative emotions, or that sometimes I feel negative emotions about my body. That's okay. I can also appreciate my body while not thinking that I'm the hottest person today, you know? I think that this concept of neutrality is so helpful for me because I can notice things and I can notice how I feel about them. So a party is happening. I don't get invited to the party. I feel sad. I feel left out. I feel like an idiot and I feel embarrassed. I, those those are the four emotions that typically mm-hmm. happen when I feel rejected. That doesn't mean that everyone hates me. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad friend. That doesn't mean that I should feel embarrassed, you know? So noticing that I feel this way, but not being like, oh, maybe I should text someone and see why I wasn't invited or, you know, that's obviously like kind of a silly example, but I don't know. No, I think it's actually, I think that's actually a perfect example, especially we talk a lot about rejection sensitive dysphoria on this podcast and it is a challenge for people with ADHD. I always, I was thinking of the example, I know this is common, like when you're, waiting in line for something. And it's like, you know, when you get so impatient that you're physically like you have to leave and it's just terrible or whatever. So this happens for me a lot of times at the gym. And this really only happens if I go during the busy hours of the gym, but pretty much there's already limited machines. Like I can't really do what I want to do and someone's taking a while or whatever. And there's just too many people. And so I angrily like leave. Like, I'm like, screw this. Like, I'm just leaving. I, I'm over. I'm, I leave, mm-hmm. right? I'm acting out of that emotion of like being annoyed and all that stuff. And then I leave. And then I'm like, who just won there? Like, I'm the one who left my workout early. But I do this a lot in stores. And something's taking a while. And then I just leave. And then I'm like, okay, but now I don't have the thing that I need. Yeah. Like, this was if not- you can, what's helped me, all you can control is how you show up that day. You cannot control other people. You cannot control time. You cannot control nature, the past, or the future. All you can control is how you show up. So what I've started Mm -hmm. doing 
which is weird, but it's helped if it does not feel natural, is instead of waking up and acting on how I feel, whether it's like I feel lazy or I feel more tired today than normal, I look in the mirror and I ask myself, what does this person need from me today? You know, like kind of lifting myself out of my body helps me not react to my emotions so much to like look myself in the mirror and be like, what does this person need for me to be a healthy human being today? And sometimes it needs me to go back to sleep. Sometimes the person looking back Mm -hmm. at me needs me to sit on the couch and not talk to anyone. And sometimes the person looking back at me needs me to push them a little harder, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just think trying to work in the habit of taking a beat before you do something, especially in an, when you feel uncomfortable, is like how you begin mm-hmm. to form, how you begin to get to a neutral place. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me with this neutral thinking is that you're leaving space for all of it. You're leaving sp- space for the positive emotions, the negative emotions, and recognizing that that will change. Like some days we're going to be okay yeah. with this and sometimes we might not, right? And that's okay, but that doesn't want that doesn't mean it should control our next move that we take as a result of that. But we'll touch Mm -hmm. more on this. Like, as we always say, these topics bleed into every week, you know, all of these things and concepts that we talk about help every area of every person's life. So yeah, it's nice being back. And I'm excited for what we're going to be chatting about this season. And always, if you guys have like, if you're going about your week, and you just like notice something different, because of one of these conversations, like send us a message, let us know, because that would, that's really what it's all about. So I'm so happy that we, just to have you guys and to grow this community, we love you. And I'm so excited for this season. Wishing everyone a great week and we will talk to you next week. Bye, see you next week. Bye guys. As always, thank you guys so much for joining us for this week's episode. You can find me on Instagram at Coaching by Alana, and you can find the podcast on Instagram at absolutely.adhd. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, write us a review so we can help share this information with more of you. Thank you so much for the support, and we will talk to you next week.